You're tuned in to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and when it comes to retirement, we know that it's not just a financial plan you have to have, it's a life plan. Over the years, you've gotten through life's many challenges, and over the years, you've seen a thing or two and have learned how to see the forest through the trees when it comes to those challenges. It's no question that 2023 will pose another one of those life challenges in the form of a rocky financial environment. But just like those other obstacles with the right support, information, and plan, you can get through this one too. There are key factors to keep in mind for 2023. There's interesting tax strategy that has been helpful for some in cutting their costs and certain factors to look out for when choosing a financial advisor and also understanding the value of steady compounded returns. So on today's show, we're going to discuss all those things. I think we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for 2023. We're going to talk about the little-known strategy for solo 401k investing, If you're self-employed, if you're working part-time as a contractor, we see many people do that as a transition. They first retire and they work part-time in consulting. That gives you tremendous tax planning opportunities. We'll talk about the value understanding steady wins the race on compounding returns and some of the hidden risks of volatility. And then we'll talk about what to look for when you choose a financial advisor. So hopefully we'll answer some common retirement questions that you have and talk about some potential solutions uh, to to those questions. So seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for 2023. You know, looking ahead, you're probably hoping for a better year than 2022. I think it's important when we look at investing, especially when you take risk in the markets, in the capital markets. You know, you don't do that for a 10-month period. You do it for really, if you're taking any kind of risk, it's got to be at least for a four- or five-year period, even if you're very, very, very conservatively taking risk. But ideally, you want to be looking at a five-, six-, seven-year period, six- or seven-year period. You know, if I, if I measure the last 10 months in a vacuum, it looks really bad through October 31st. You know, the S&P 500 is down almost 18%. The bond market's down 15%. And inflation is up over 8.5%. So it really looks bad. But if you go back and look at the last five years... You know, most diversif- diversified market strategies have still beaten inflation. 
you know, inflation the last five years is around 4% per year. And remember, the last five years leading up to 2022 were largely very, very good in the stock market. Now, there was one year in there, I believe it was 2018, that was uh, just slightly down. But for the most part, we had a huge rally. You know, it's not normal to have 20, 25% returns in a calendar year in the stock market. You know, we know you're not going to average that over time. So remember, you want to really look at rolling five-year averages at a minimum. But the reality is 2022 has many of you worrying. It's easy to assume uh, that not many were left untouched by this financial shakeup, especially those that are in or nearing retirement as you become concerned about making your money last. But you know, the, the past will be in the past, And going forward, let's make sure to look at how we can get our finances back on track. Now, the Fed, of course, has met fairly recently. We've also got some new inflation numbers for October. And there are signs inflation is easing a little bit. Um, The inflation number for October was just slightly lower than what was expected. And a lot of the speculation, the stock market has rallied some. The stock market, I think, is assuming that the Fed may reduce their interest rate increases uh, due to the new inflation data. I do think that's presumptive. I think that's way too big of a leap. I think we need to see three or four months of consistent improvement in the inflation data to see the Fed really take a posture of uh, being more accommodative, meaning not being so aggressive with hiking rates and with monetary policy. Uh, Most analysts are now predicting a half point increase in December as it tackles the highest inflation in four days, uh, excuse me, four decades. Food and energy push inflation to roughly over 5% year over year in September. The housing market is cooling down. Consumer savings rates are decreasing and that's what the Fed's trying to do by raising rates. The job market has started to cool down and wages, the increases in wages has started to rise more slowly than in previous months. And this is a big deal because wage inflation has been high. And I think that's why a lot of corporate profitability numbers are still, have still been pretty good. You had coming out of the pandemic, the, the highest savings rates we've seen since post-World War II. And we had wage inflation. So while prices were going up, people were continuing to spend money. But now we're seeing wage inflation slow down. So consumption has remained relatively strong, given the savings that were built up during and before the pandemic and with credit card usage. So the economy is now in a tug of war between declining consumer purchasing power and the Fed's battle against inflation. But things are starting to show some signs that the actions of the Fed are going to start slowing down inflation. Now, what does this mean as we head into 2023? Some good things. Social Security benefits going up 8.7%. That's the largest cost of living increase in 40 years. Uh, So for those of you retired, you know, that on a fixed income, that's a big deal. You do not have to be drawing Social Security 
in order to see the impact of that increase. If you're not drawing Social Security, either you haven't filed, you're not, and you're pushing to 70 maybe, or if you're younger, everybody's base Social Security benefit is going up by 8.7%, whether you're drawing now or not. Uh, Medicare premiums are set to decline a little bit. They're going down about $5. So that's a double whammy. You're getting a big increase in your Social Security benefit and a slight decrease in Medicare premium. Uh, many, many of you may see a decrease in your required minimum distributions next year because the value of your retirement account has dropped. So while the percentage you have to take out goes up very slightly, you know, if your account balances have dropped, your RMD will go down. Maybe, and that means less forced taxation. Uh, also, the Medicare premium surcharges, the brackets for those are going up. In other words, you know, if you make, you know, your, your Medicare premium is means tested. So if you make, the more you make, the more you have to pay in Medicare premium. Those brackets are all going up a pretty good amount. So you can make more money before may, paying Medicare surcharges. Likewise, our tax brackets themselves are going up quite a bit. You know, the, uh, the, 80, the, the 22% bracket, uh, it, it, it doesn't kick in. It, it used to, this past year it kicked in at, um, I'm looking for the number here, it was about 83,000. And next year, it's not going to kick in till over 89000 So that's an extra $6,000 you can have in income in 2023 and be taxed at 12% instead of 22%. Also, the standard deduction is going up. It's going up to 27700 for joint filers. And for single filers, it's going up to $13,850. That's almost a $1,000 increase per person. And the catch-up deduction, you know, if you're 65 or older, you get an extra 1500 per spouse now. So the standard deduction for married filers who are both over age 65 is now going to be $30,700. So there, all of this stuff gives us more planning opportunities. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about that um, because there are some hidden benefits that we can plan for with our tax strategy. So stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. As we approach the holidays, it's hard to believe uh, that we're uh, going into the holidays next week. That means we need to start looking back, looking back, looking forward to 2023. And amidst all the chaos of 2022, uh, it's easy to lose sight of things. But the reality is there are opportunities as we head into 2023. Now, there are certainly challenges as well. 
But with inflation being what it is, uh, it does have some ripple-down effects uh, that, that can benefit you from, that, that can benefit you that you need to plan for. You know, all the tax brackets are going, uh, the, the, the levels for like when you go from the 12 to the 22% bracket or the 22 to the 24% bracket, all those brackets are going up pretty substantially because of inflation. And the Medicare premium surcharges, the income limits are going up quite a bit. So there are additional planning opportunities with things like Roth conversion, realizing, I mean, you can now have more income and have some capital gains treatment potentially treated at a 0% tax rate. So there's a lot of opportunities that you should be looking at in preparation for 2023. Now, as we look at all of these issues, let's first look at with the Fed raising rates, they're looking for an economy to start slowing down that's overheated. So who's going to blink first? Will the Fed slow their rates first? Will consumers slow down their purchasing first? I think the Fed, you know, we've seen signs that maybe they'll raise the rate in December a half point and then kind of pause and see how this all affects the economy. Because there's a lag, right? The Fed raises rates. It takes a little bit of time for that starting to affect the economic numbers. And so the Fed needs to be careful. It doesn't keep going full bore and go too high because that would trigger maybe a deeper recession than they want to. Um, so all of this stuff can affect the economy. Now for a retiree, uh, it you know probably means more volatility in the short term and in the stock market. Until the inflation thing gets, gets, we get our arms around that. Hopefully the Fed can. But until it does, I think we're going to see more instability and volatility. 2022 has been one of the most volatile years on record in terms of how much the stock market has moved on a daily basis. Now that's not only down, that's also up. So it's just been very choppy. But you shouldn't be depending on... Uh, you shouldn't be depending on market investments in the short-term income. That's Those are more long-term money. So I talked in that first segment about rolling five, six, seven-year averages. That's how you should look at your market investment, not just what happened this year, but what's happened over the last five or six years. Uh, but for a retiree, it's you know, these higher interest rates can be a good thing to take advantage of. You know, you can get you can get brokered CDs well into the four four and a half percent range, out even a year on a one year CD. Now you can't get that as much through the through local CDs, local banks for the most part. But a brokered CD, which is where a national bank offers there, they're trying to borrow money. That's what you do when you're buying a CD. You're loaning your money to the bank, and so you'll have national banks that want to borrow money. And they'll offer their CDs through a through a, a no-load brokerage firm like a we use TD Ameritrade or a Charles Schwab or someone like that, and they're better rates than the local CDs right now. Treasuries are paying you know you can get three and a half four percent on a treasury just out three to six months or a year, uh, and you get the higher Social Security benefits and all this stuff. Uh, but with Social Security payments going up. Does that mean less of an increase in the future? It could. 
It also could be viewed as a potential inflationary event itself. Because you're, if, if your income in retirement is going up, that gives you more money to be able to spend in your budget, and that could cause more inflation. So I do think it's just very unstable. I think retirees should worry about these things. I think the biggest thing you need to be doing is taking advantage of the opportunities like the increasing uh, tax bracket uh, thresholds and the extra, the uh, higher itemized deduction, excuse me, the higher standard deduction. Are you bunching your deductions to where maybe you itemize one year and then take a standard deduction the next? There are just a lot of things that I think you need to be aware of. So this is a great example of how you need to have a plan. People, I think, need to have a comprehensive financial plan. It's not just about how should you be investing your money? Uh, it's about things like saving on taxes, you know, generating Roth conversion strategies. Is that something you should be looking at? Uh, you might should be emphasizing, at least for the higher earning spouse, if you're married, delaying your Social Security election to take advantage of the increases. Uh, that, you know, because that's, you know, you go 8% a year increase from full retirement age to age 70 if you delay. And that's a great inflationary fighting tool. Also, I talked last week in our dollars and cents segment. If you go online, you can hear that dollars and cents segment. If you go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio, how your surviving spousal strategy for Social Security benefits could should be a big part of your Social Security election plan because of the widow or widower benefit down the road. But see, you've really got to be looking at all of these kinds of things because they are all very, very interrelated. The reality is we're probably going to see choppy markets for a while longer. So yes, you want to be taking advantage of some of these opportunities but how can you be, how can you protect yourself a little bit better from market volatility? And I want to talk for a minute today about the tried and true reality of more steady compounding returns. You know, there is a hidden risk to volatility because of what I call the cruel math of losses. So let, let's just walk through a scenario here. If I have a if you have a hundred thousand dollars and you lose fifty percent, you now have fifty thousand dollars, right? If you have fifty thousand dollars, then to get back to a hundred, you've got to make one hundred percent. And that's some pretty cruel math. You lose fifty percent, you gotta make a hundred to get back to break even. Now the average bear market since 1900 is about an 8% is about happens about every 8 years and it's about a 40% decline in the stock market. So if you lose 40%, you've got to make 67% just to get back to break even. And if you lose 33%, you've got to make 50%. That's some cruel math. Now let's look at what the average return would be. So if you lose 50% one year, you go from 100 to 50,000. You make 100% the next year, you go from 50,000 to 100,000. So you're break even, right? What is your average annual return? 
if you average a 100% return one year and a minus 50% return the, the other year, your average return over those two years is plus 25% for the two years. But your annualized compounded return is zero. That's where you got to be really, really careful. Volatility has a very hidden risk because of the cruel math of losses. And you say, well, my, your average return may look, I mean, that's a 25% per year average return, but your annualized compounded return is zero because of the cruel math of losses. So steady positive returns gain a whole new value if you can decrease volatility in your portfolio. You know, if the market is down 30%, how much is your risk investment down? And for that matter, how much of your portfolio is taking risk? And then how much of it is protected? And, you know, if you draw, in, you know, when we're in the, the middle of these investment, these risk downturns, if you're drawing your income from your safe money and letting the risk monies go through ups and downs, you've got time on your side where you can look at it at a five to seven year time horizon. Um, so limiting the downside risk of, of your investments, you can leave more uh, left over for the next period to compound. And the math gets complicated, but basically steady compounded returns often win the race versus volatile choppy returns. So let me draw another analogy. You know, let's say you're accelerating your car and you're uninterrupted as you go from zero to 60 miles per hour. But imagine if the car next to you stalled and decelerated for just a fraction of a second, and the car beside you has now lagged behind you, but you're continuing to accelerate forward. That other car has to, has to regain your acceleration level and is going to have to go even faster to just to catch up to you during that during that fraction of a second by lagging behind it took a whole lot more gain in order to catch back up to you so the same applies to your finances in a compounding strategy it's nearly impossible to speed up your returns only to get back to where you were so steady eddy wins the race. Now, markets are not steady eddy, so it just means you've got to measure risk and reward in your portfolio. You know, investing is all about balancing risk and reward. We are going to have bear market busts in the future. I'm confident of that. I mean, I guess I can't guarantee that, but I'm pretty darn confident. But I'm also pretty darn confident we're going to have booming bull markets. So if you don't want to lose as much in the bear market because of the cruel math of losses and this problem with your car stuttering, then you're going to have more diversification in your portfolio that's not just in the stock market, that you have more things that if one thing zigs, another zags. So you have a balance of investments that not everything is way down. But then what that means is when market booms and you don't have everything in the stock market, you're not going to make as much. But again, that smooths out your returns. So instead of having the extreme volatility, you've got a little bit more smoothness. So more the rolling hills of the Smoky Mountains rather than the stark 
peaks and valleys of the Rocky Mountains. And then your safe money, there are opportunities now with things like CDs and treasuries, fixed rate investments that can give you four, four and a half, sometimes even five or five and a half percent over a five-year term. So there's some pretty good things out there. Now, one other option is, is stocks that pay steady dividends. You know, we've got approximately, and I'm, I'm estimating here, but in the S&P 500, which is 500 of the largest stocks in the U.S. market, there's about 50 or so that have increased their dividends every year for the last 25 years. That's pretty steady performance. So in other words, regardless of what's happening in the economy and, and the volatility and whatever's happening with their stock price potentially going down and up and down and up, they're continuing to increase dividends every year. So if you don't sell shares of that stock when it's down and you're continuing to draw the dividend, you know, you're not realizing an investment loss unless you sell those shares. Now, you've got to be careful with that. I'm not a fan of putting all of your income strategy in dividend-yielding stocks because then you've got all, in order to get the yield you may need for income, you've got all your money in st individual stocks or maybe in a fund that produces, you know, high stocks. But it can absolutely be part of a strategy for more stable income. Bottom line is it's important to, re to remember that steady often wins the race. Steady compounded returns year after year after year where you reduce the volatility and don't experience that cruel math of losses. Now when we come back from our next break, I'm going to talk about a hidden tax strategy as you approach an in retirement for those of you that may do consulting work part-time and are, and are doing it as a self-employed individual or if you are self-employed and do not have any employees or what if you do have employees what are I'm going to talk about a couple of hidden tax strategies that could really have an impact on your ability to save on taxes so stay with us this is more living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. I'm excited as we head into this holiday season here at News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I hope you are too. Uh, always remember, though, that we've got those around us that have lost loved ones and are having difficult times in the holidays. We want to keep them in our prayers and give them as much support as we possibly can. As I was uh, wrapping up that segment on steady wins the race and the, the value of more stable compounded returns rather than volatile returns, and I talked about diversification you know, where you've got a lot of things in the portfolio, so if one thing zigs, another thing zags. And that means if, if, if one thing like stocks is way down, hopefully they're not all way down. So you, you have the, the rolling hills of the Appalachia Mountains rather than the rocky peaks of the Rocky Mountains. 
one other thing I'd want to mention on that before we move on is owning volatility as an asset class. That is something we do at Brogan Financial. It's very important, I think, especially in this market. When you own volatility, what that means is when the market moves sharply, both up and down, you potentially can benefit and profit from those movements. So if the, you know, the market this year, I, I didn't look at the number as of this week, but it's down, I think, about 15% year to date. That is not a deep, deep loss. But the volatility has been extremely high. So if you own volatility, you've got, think of them as levers in your portfolio that, that profit from that volatility. Now, we especially want that lever to profit when the markets are sharply down because upside volatility is fine. But when we have downside volatility, we want to profit from that. We want to have a little bit of a hedge there. Think of it as a hedge. So that is an overlooked area in diversification that we use at Brogan Financial that just adds more balance to a portfolio in a choppy market. Now, I do want to move on to tax planning and a little-known strategy called the Solo 401k. And to some extent, the SEP IRA, SEP, Simplified Employee Pension. Now, the best of these two tools is the Solo 401k. So let's say you're transitioning and you leave your job and you do consulting. We have a lot of clients at Brogan Financial that do that. They, they retire and then they do some consulting work, either part-time, some of them full-time, but, but a lot of them part-time to keep themselves busy and occupied, helps them extend the length of time before they have to draw income from their savings, they can delay Social Security, most importantly, quality of life. But they then need to set up a business entity. Now, how they set up that business entity is also important. Do you do an LLC? A single member LLC, which is a limited liability company. Do you do you do a corporation and do an S election, an S corp, where money flows through to you and you don't get hit with corporate income taxes? These are questions for either a CPA or a tax attorney. Um, but by doing a business formation, uh, you protect yourself from a liability perspective, uh, typically. But let's talk about the tax benefits even if you're just a sole proprietor and you don't do a business formation. Now, you can contribute, if you don't have any other employees, you can contribute to a solo 401k. Many people are aware of SEP IRAs, which are IRAs set up, set up for the self-employed. Because of on an IRA for the self-employed, a SEP IRA, uh, you can go up to over $60,000 if you're 50 years old, or older this year, I think it's 61-ish thousand dollars, that you can contribute tax deductible. Now, you cannot contribute more than 20% of the net income from the business. So income after expenses. So if your income is from business is 200,000 after expenses, you can only contribute 40,000 to a SEP IRA. And then you're capped um, I, you know what? I said something wrong. With a SEP IRA, you do not get the catch-up provision, so it's more like $57,000, $58,000. You do not, let me repeat that because I misstated that, you do not get the catch-up provision for being 50 or older. 
with us. So many people are aware of the SEP. You contribute 20% of that income from business. Now, on a solo 401k, though, you can contribute more quickly. And you are now eligible for the catch-up provision, which, if you're over 50, is a $7,000 additional contribution you can make. If you're under 50, you can contribute another 6000 Okay, so that's a big deal. You know, and you can get there more quickly because with a solo 401k, you can invest 100, let's say you're 50 or older, you can, can invest 100% of your net income from business up to $27,000 in 2022. 100%. Then you can do 20% of anything over the 27000 up to a maximum of well over $60,000. And it is tax deductible on your tax return. So a lot of people do a SEP IRA, but with a solo 401k, you know, I mean, if you're under age 50 and you make a whole lot of money from business, there's real no real difference. But if you're either 50 or older or you're not well up over $300,000 of earnings, the solo 401k is a better opportunity to defer taxes and get more tax deductions. Now, you cannot have any employees. With a SEP IRA, you can have other employees, but you have to follow very strict rules from the government with either a SEP IRA or a simple IRA. The simple IRA, you don't have as much contribution ability. But the solo 401k, you're basically setting up a 401k for yourself, and it's not subject to some of the stringent rules that you have with a, with a traditional 401k when you have multiple employees. There are no additional filing requirements until you get up over $250,000 account balances. So if you set up a solo 401k, I don't recommend rolling an existing plan into that because you really want to start fresh so you can stay under that $250,000 threshold because there are, at that point, additional filing requirements. Now, when we come back, I do want to talk about the things that you should seek out in a financial planner, a financial advisor, a wealth manager. So stay with us. You know, I've talked about all these things, tax planning, income planning, social security election, estate planning. There's some health care catastrophe. I've said, mentioned all these things. What are things to ask? What are things to look out for? What are levels of expertise to look for when you look for a financial advisor? So stay with us as you listen to more Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living. I'm Jim Brogan. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're with you every Saturday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m., you can catch all of our shows and our dollars and cents segments podcast on our website. If you go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio, uh, we've also got a ton of resources there. Click on resources 
We've got guides and reports you can download, complimentary. And we've also got a blog that we post to on a regular basis. We want to give you great information so you can make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. It's what we're all about on this radio station and this radio show uh, at my firm with the classes we teach through the University of Tennessee and through Pellissippi State's uh, biz, uh, excuse me, uh, adult community outreach. So with just a lot of opportunities to plug in and get great information uh, to, to be able to make informed decisions. Now, what should you seek in a financial advisor? So one is, and I kind of alluded to this a minute ago, but make sure that they're a comprehensive planner. You know, it's not, it, it's not just about picking an, inv an investment. So I, I do want you to know philosophically, some of you, and now some of you, that's what you're looking for. You just want somebody to buy and track and sell individual stocks pick investments and let either let them ride or actively be trading. Uh, from my perspective, you know, I, I, my emphasis is to help you me is to help people reach their goals. You know, what is it you're investing for? Because there are risks along the way. There are investment risks. There are tax risks. There are life risks, there are inflationary risks, there are medical risks, there are legal risks. I could go on and on and on. So what are the risks in you getting to where you want to be? So I think a, a potential comprehensive advisor, you know, are they only talking about stocks and bonds or do they focus on other aspects of your finances, like Social Security, income taxes, estate planning, income planning, health care issues? A comprehensive planner will help you develop a plan that looks at all aspects of your finances and covers your short-term and long-term goals and helps you achieve your goals. These advisors, you know, an advisor will ask you a lot of questions, the proper advisor. So when you go in for a first interview, it shouldn't be about the advisor telling you everything they can do. I mean, how can I do that if I don't know your situation? How can any advisor do that? if they don't know your situation. So an advisor should be asking you a lot of questions about what you want to accomplish with your financial goals, both now and well into the future. And that would include things like legacy planning, things like charitable giving, unique expenses and risks that you may face, someone who understands your hopes for the future, both now and when you're gone. And that type of planning will bring you a whole lot more value and help you navigate complicated financial decisions. Then the other thing I'll say is, is the financial advisor a fiduciary? Now, fiduciary is a legal term, and it is the strongest responsibility one person or firm can have to another. It means that the fiduciary is legally and ethically required to make best decisions for their clients and will always put your needs first. In other words, they have to always act in, in your best interest. A fiduciary cannot recommend it anything that does not benefit you. If there's a potential conflict of interest, the fiduciary must disclose that potential conflict to you. Uh, you know, that could be something as unique as an advisor profiting more from one investment than another. With a fiduciary, you know that the recommendations they are giving you, they're supposed to be coming from a place of good faith 
and legal and ethical duty. Now, I will back up for a minute. I think that, you know, you can have a pretty good understanding if somebody's a fiduciary from the way that they interview you and ask questions and relate to you. And, and, and that's important. Here's why I say that. I mean, on a monthly basis at least, we have issues in the financial industry that we learn about all over the country where uh, someone who is, who is regulated as a fiduciary is breaking the rules. They are not acting as a fiduciary. They have done something that is either a conflict that was not disclosed or they did it manage and mitigate those conflicts properly, those kinds of things. And they came, you know, they had disciplinary enforcement actions against them by the securities industry. So just because you're working with someone who is regulated as a fiduciary doesn't mean that they're always acting as a fiduciary. They're supposed to. They're regulated and required to by law. But again, on almost a monthly basis, we hear of firms and advisors around the country who are breaking that fiduciary standard that are not supposed to be. So I think you know, you can have a pretty good idea anyway, the way you, that an advisor relates to you. Are they selling you products? Or are they helping you with solutions to meet your goals? Are they fee-based? Or are they commission-based? You know, do they do better when you do better and don't make as much when you do worse, which is what a fee-based advisor does, or do they sell you something on a commission and make money regardless? So the nature of the interview with an advisor will give you a lot of knowledge of, you know, what they're looking for and how they're acting. Are they selling you something or are they just helping you meet your goals and then getting compensated based on fees for the most part. Okay. Um, now, there, there can sometimes be, that doesn't mean that there aren't some things out there that could be, that could be products with a commission that you would never want to do. So please understand me. I'm not saying don't ever do anything that, that pays a commission to an advisor. I'm simply saying that it creates conflict of interest and an advisor uh, that, is a, that is required to act as a fiduciary is not only required to disclose that potential conflict, they're also required to not allow that potential conflict to, to influence their recommendation to you. So, for an example, I have, I have colleagues around the country that do a, a lot of non-public REITs, non-public real estate trusts, and they're paid a commission on that. A real estate trust might be a company that invests in multifamily apartments throughout the southeast or even in an area of the, you know, it could be even more specific like Nashville. But it's non-public. It's not a publicly traded entity, and most of those trade, uh, uh, trade on commissions. There are some that are fee-based, but most charge on commissions. So that doesn't mean necessarily that you would never invest in something like that. It just means the advisor is required to disclose the conflict and then not allow that conflict to impact his or her recommendation to you. All right. So I think just the overall way an advisor interacts with you in the interview process will tell you a lot about where they're coming from, 
Are they acting as a fiduciary? Are they comprehensive and asking all the right questions and helping you meet your goals? Thank you for tuning in this week as we've discussed wealth because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Please check out all of our resources online. You can go to broganfinancial.com and click on resources. You can also click on blog. You can also click on radio and hear all of our podcasts. Uh, thank you to Riley for, for running the board. Thank you to, to Jill for helping produce the show. Um, we're headed into Thanksgiving week. I hope you have a very, very blessed Thanksgiving week. We will be on the air next Saturday. Have a great weekend. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.